everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Lending News You Can Use. In this podcast, we'll provide news and discussion on legal developments in Canadian finance. My name is Corey Williams, and I'm a partner in the Financial Services Group at Dentons Canada LLP in Toronto. Today's episode is relevant to any secured lender in Canada lending money to any entity required to remit GST or HST. Joining me today are Daniel Augustinovich and Alessandro Bazelli who are both senior associates at Dentons in Toronto. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Corey, and welcome, everyone. Thanks for uh, having uh, me on the call. Uh, hi, Corey. Uh, happy to be joining you for this first uh, episode. I understand that uh, we will be talking today about a recent case that has interesting implications for Canadian lenders dealing with priority conflicts between themselves as secured lenders and the Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, taxes are due in September, Corey. Do we really want to be talking about the CRA so soon? Yes, Daniel, unfortunately we do. Like you said, this case is recent and it has very interesting consequences and considerations for secured lenders, their back offices, and relationship managers. So, so tell us more about this case, uh, Corey. What, what happened here? So this case is from the Federal Court of Appeal, which was released at the end of April of 2020. This is a case where a bank appealed an earlier decision that went against them in the federal court. And unfortunately for the bank, their appeal was unsuccessful because the appeal court agreed with the decision of the lower court. Interesting. And so what are the exact facts of this case? Why was the bank in court in the first place? Essentially, these are the facts. The bank provided a loan to an individual. Let's call him Wayne. Wayne carried on a landscaping business as a sole proprietor. In 2007 and 2008, he collected but failed to remit GST. In 2008, the bank granted Wayne a home equity line of credit and a mortgage. Both were secured against Wayne's house. In 2011, Wayne sold his house and used the proceeds to pay off the outstanding debt owed to the bank on the HELOC and the mortgage. After the bank received the payout funds from from Wayne, they discharged their mortgage on Wayne's house, and presumably everyone went on their on their merry way. Okay, so 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 far so good. Sounds like a standard mortgage transaction, other than the bit about Wayne collecting GSD but not sending those collections to the CRA. Why, Wayne? Why would you collect GSD and not send it to the CRA? I imagine that's what's important here, Corey. It, it is, Daniel. In 2013, so two years after the bank payout, the CRA issued a demand letter to the bank seeking payment of $67,000 for those GST funds that Wayne collected but did not send to the CRA, and not surprisingly, the bank said no way. Interesting. And so on what basis did the CRA think that they could demand those funds from the bank and not, not Wayne himself? Good question, Daniel. Well, the CRA referenced the Excise Tax Act and said that when the bank received its repayment on the HELOC and mortgage from Wayne, the CRA actually had a deemed trust over those funds. And uh, for our listeners that aren't lawyers or who are lawyers but have forgotten, the deemed trust concept refers to the statutorily imposed trust upon a person's property. So for example, in the tax context, when a business sells you something and there is a tax amount on the receipt, even though the business is taking your money right then and there, um, it actually goes into their bank account. A deemed trust is created, uh, but those funds are actually being held in trust for the CRA. 
those funds in essence are the CRA's funds immediately. They're just being held for the business a bit until they send it or remit it to the CRA. And so why was that deemed trust uh, concept important here, Corey? Well, as we'll see, the important part is that the deemed trust gives the CRA priority over a security interest that a secured lender may have over the property of a borrower. Okay, so to recap, Wayne collects the GST, doesn't send it to the CRA, he then repays the bank what they were owed under his HELOC and his mortgage. The bank discharges the mortgage they had over Wayne's house. Uh, two years later, the CRA comes knocking and they say, hey bank, um, Wayne collected the GST for us and it looks like he, pay, he repaid you from that GST collection, so give it back to us. And the bank rightfully says, or perhaps wrongfully says, no way. Great recap. That's, that's right, Daniel. And what does the federal uh, court have to say about that? The federal court said that the CRA was entitled to super priority over the bank in respect of the borrower, i.e. Wayne's property, as was clearly intended by Parliament. Pursuant to subsection 222 sub 3 of the Excise Tax Act, which extends the deemed trust to the property of the tax debtor that is held by a secured creditor. The bank had the obligation to remit to the CRA the portion of the proceeds it had received to satisfy the borrower's GST and HST obligations, despite not having any knowledge of such debt. Wow, so even though the bank didn't know there was any tax liabilities owing uh, by their borrower, they were still on the hook. That's right. So I imagine the bank wasn't all too pleased with that decision from the court. So they appealed it to the federal court of appeal. And what did the appeals court say? In summary, Daniel, the, the appeal court agreed with the federal court and rejected the bank's main arguments. Okay, interesting. So I think I have a little uh, game uh, for us, Corey. I'm gonna uh, be the bank and I'm gonna submit the arguments to you and you play the part of the court and you respond to the arguments. Happy to play a judge, let's go for it. All right, great. So the bank's first argument, doesn't there need to be some kind of triggering event, like a demand by the CRA to initiate this deemed trust concept over the property of the debtor? The court said no triggering event was required and that the deemed trust operates in a continuous manner once GSD is collected but not remitted. So no, no triggering event is actually required. Okay, so no help for the bank on argument one. Uh, perhaps argument two will be better. Uh, the bank says, listen, we the bank were a good faith bona fide purchaser for value, which is the defense that when a third party purchases property without knowledge of an existing interest in that property, the existing interest is defeated. Uh, basically, we took prepayment of the HELOC and the mortgage in good faith, and we didn't know anything about these taxes that were being owed to the government, so why should we be on the hook for those payments? We shouldn't be. Well, the, the court said it would be incompatible with the Excise Tax Act if this defense was available to the bank or other secured creditors, given that it would defeat the purpose of the deemed trust, which is to ensure the recovery of unremitted GST or HST in priority to other debts. The court also pointed out that in common law, there is a distinction between secured creditors and bona fide purchasers for value. So no help there either, Dale. No help there. Well, I, got, I, got, I think I got you with this third one. So the bank says, listen, 
we provided the loan to Wayne as an individual and not his landscaping business. Uh, the taxes that were due to the CRA arise because of the business obligations to the CRA and not Wayne as an individual. So we, the bank, should not be responsible for that payment of his business. No help here either, Daniel. The court said there's no distinction in this case. The borrower was the bank's customer and the person responsible for remitting the GST. Perhaps the analysis would have changed if Wayne actually ran his business through a corporation. Right, so no, again, no assistance for the bank. I'm really striking out with these arguments. Here's the last one though, and I think this is, this is the winner. Um, we, the bank, uh, think that this deemed trust operation would create too many hardships for secured lenders in the Canadian market. Uh, specifically, it would require secured creditors to continuously confirm with the CRA that all deemed trust amounts have been paid by their borrowers. Uh, secondly, it would put secured creditors in a worse position than unsecured creditors. Uh, and third, it would promote uh, lenders uh, pursuing liquidation and bankruptcy over other restructuring alternatives, which is not a uh, policy that, that is um, business friendly. So the court's response was that that was the legislation's intent. So while those hardships do exist, they are in fact intentional. The last point about liquidation and bankruptcy over restructuring alternatives is interesting, however. Yeah, I thought, I thought so too. So even though those, those last three arguments didn't work, I thought that the bankruptcy and restructuring alternative was interesting uh, because courts said that if a borrower is put into a bankruptcy and insolvency proceeding, the deemed trust claim uh, would actually just become another unsecured claim uh, ranking behind secured creditor. Um, that may lead to a lot more lenders, I think, um, depending on the size of the tax liability to start insolvency proceedings so that, so that they, as secured lenders, would not be on the hook for these types of unremitted tax liabilities like uh, what happened to Wayne here. That's right. Uh, thanks, Corey. Uh, it looks like Alessandro, uh, who we heard at the top of this podcast, may have fallen asleep over here uh, with this riveting tax discussion. Um, Alessandro, show us that you have been paying attention. What, what, what can secured lenders take away from this case going forward? Very funny, Daniel. Yes, uh, I'm awake and thank, thanks for looping me into this discussion. Um, I think this case is a really strong reminder to secured lenders in Canada that they have to be very, very mindful of unpaid taxes and tax arrears uh, of, their, of their borrowers going forward. I think it might be useful now uh, to just have a quick refresher for our listeners of the four broad categories of taxes that, uh, that their borrowers uh, may owe to the government. Uh, the first category is income tax. The second category is source deductions, which include deductions for income tax, EI, and CPP. The third category is excise tax, which we discussed in this case. Uh, so that would be GST and HST. And then the fourth category is penalties and interest relating to each of those three categories. Now, if an entity is in arrears with respect to uh, taxes in any of those categories, the CRA's collection powers will differ based on which category the arrears fall into. If the arrears fall into the income tax category or the penalties and interest category, they are typically unsecured claims, ranking equal to all other general creditors of the debtor. 
The CRA in these cases has the ability to obtain a lien or a charge against the real and personal property of the debtor by filing the appropriate documents and the applicable registrations. By doing so, the CRA will be treated as a secured creditor for those claims, but subject to prior claims. This process does not create a running charge. The lien will only secure the amounts that were subject of the original registration. So this makes it a little bit more straightforward for a secured lender in these circumstances. Very interesting. Uh, thanks, Alessandro. That was, that was very helpful. So if I understand, a secured lender in this situation would be able to easily see if the CRA ranked ahead of it for any amounts. But that is not what happened in our case with, uh, with Wayne, correct? That's correct. Unfortunately, in the Wayne case, uh, it was excise tax. And the case we're talking about here falls under the excise tax category. Uh, and any amounts uh, in arrears for excise tax and for source deductions are treated very differently. As the courts have affirmed in this case, the CRA enjoys priority over all creditors in respect of all real and personal property of the debtor by virtue of the deemed trust provisions in the Income Tax Act and the Excise Tax Act. The deemed trust arises immediately and automatically, that's key, upon the failure to remit and is not contingent on any notice, documentation, or registrations. Because the existence of the deemed trust arises by operation of law and does not require any documentation to be prepared or filed by the CRA, as we saw in this case, it can be difficult for interested parties to ascertain whether or not a deemed trust is in place. The CRA is entitled to any proceeds of sale or disposition that stem from property subject to the deemed trust in priority to substantially all secured creditors. Further, as the case clearly illustrates, courts have even recognized that the CRA can directly pursue any entity that has received proceeds from the sale of assets to which the deemed trust applies and demand payment. And they have reaffirmed this position in this case. Yeah, so that, that, that is very interesting. Uh, so Corey, I can see definitely that this uh, would create some problems for secured lenders. Um, what are your thoughts on a couple solutions or a couple takeaways from, from this case? Well, Daniel, it's a strong reminder that lenders need to conduct extensive due diligence, especially Identifying higher risk borrowers, such as personal borrowers who operate as sole proprietors, requiring borrowers to give evidence of tax compliance, and requiring borrowers to actually authorize the lender to verify a borrower's outstanding GST and HST liabilities with the CRA on an ongoing basis. Yeah, those are, those are, great, uh, those are great suggestions. Uh, and I think that this uh, case is very interesting and very important to secured lenders and in their interactions with the CRA. Uh, so I think this has uh, been a great discussion here and uh, thank you for bringing this case uh, uh, here to us uh, to discuss. Thanks, Daniel and Corey, great discussion and thanks to all our listeners for, uh, for tuning in. Thanks for joining us for Lending News You Can Use. Feel free to reach out to any of the three of us if you have any questions or if you'd like to give us any feedback. Also, please note that we've distilled a very complicated tax decision for the ease of the listener. And if you need any tax advice or have any questions on a particular issue, feel free to reach out to us and we can connect you with one of our tax partners. Also, Denton's is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice and you should not take or refrain from taking any action based on its content. 
please see dentons.com for further legal notices.